It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hey everyone, how are you doing? That time again, my name is Matt Hausman already know smart money questions podcast coming at you now and you know i like to use this format as a way to talk about the different things that happen in our office uh, when we're speaking with clients or you know other people that are in the office with us and today i'm going to go over two different scenarios because these are questions that um, invariably seem to come up multiple times during the year it's been happening every year, I don't know, for the last you know, 10 or 12 years. And I think it's really important for us to go over these and hopefully shed some light on what in some cases with one of these can be a little confusing. So before we jump into that, let's make sure we go ahead and deal with the disclaimer. Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmat.com. That's www.speakwithmat.com. And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. You can schedule a 15 or 30-minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, at the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation? So again, very low-key. Go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmat.com, www.speakwithmat.com and schedule it there. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. Okay, the first one is one that I hear a lot, and that is uh, looking at our investment options and what they are, in this case, a 401k. And then also on the flip side, so that's considered an asset, on the flip side, considering the debt that we have, whether it is consumer debt or credit card debt, car loans, what have you. Basically, I would say anything besides a mortgage. And the question is always, listen, I don't like having all of this debt. Should I take a loan against my 401k to pay that off? And the first thing that I would tell you in looking at that, first of all, how much, you know, the one person that was in the other day, it's like $60,000 of total credit card and car loan debt. All right, so should I go and and yet the other thing, the other caveat to it is hey, I'm looking to retire in the next 3 to 4 years. So, should I take a loan out against the 401k to whack this debt down, especially when we consider what's happening with interest rates right now. And the only the major asset that I have is my 401k. So, should I take a loan against that? The first thing that I would tell you to do is review where your debt is and the interest rate that you have or interest rates if there's multiple different accounts. So especially when it comes to car loans, you guys hear me talk about this all the time. If I get it once a year, I get it 10 times a year and that is buying a new car and not wanting 
to finance it. But the reality is, even right now, is that the interest rates are still ridiculously low. And talking with a client the other day, they're looking to get a new car, and it's, it's a Toyota. And currently, the interest rates on, for 60 months of financing is 2.75%. I mean, that is still unbelievably low. And even if we continue to see rates increase, and let's say the 2.75 jumps to 3.5, that's still low. So first of all, analyze your debt. Now, with regards to credit cards, you know, credit cards they, they, within the last year, they've been offering, you know, come get a new credit card here. It's 0% on purchases for the first, I don't know, 15 to 18 months or cash balance offers at 0%. But once you get outside of that, yes, those, those credit card rates can skyrocket very quickly, you know, 12 to 20%, even with great credit. And so that's where analyzing the debt as to what, it, what you have. So the 60000 in debt, $60,000 of debt, where is it first of all? So look at that. That's the first thing I would tell you to look at. The second thing is with regards to taking a loan against the 401k, I would tell you to look at every other option before taking a loan against your 401k. And there's multiple reasons why you want to understand why so many people in our industry advise against taking a loan. Now, of course, there's hardship loans, which are different. But in this case, this isn't necessarily a hardship loan with the debt that we're wanting to pay off. So let's look at, you know, look at all other angles, maybe a consolidation loan to get rid of the credit card debt at your whatever bank you're at. Even those right now are, are relatively inexpensive with regards to the overall overall interest rates that they're charging. But the other thing that why we say really caution you against taking 401k loans is, first of all, understanding what that repayment process is. Every plan that I've seen has different ways of paying that back. So first of all, is it a three-year payback? Is it a five-year? Is it longer than that, right? You want to understand what that is. And then here's the most significant thing. So the idea is, okay, I'm going to retire in the next three to four years. And if I'm going to take 60 G's out of my 401k right now, understand, depending on your age, if I'm under 59 and a half, and for some reason, I get let go before that, and I'm under that age, all of that income that, or all of that debt on the 401k that has not been paid back is now subject to ordinary income taxes. And if I'm under 59 and a half, there's a 10% penalty because it's considered a distribution. The other thing is, even if you're over 59 and a half, and I took this big chunk out as a, uh, as a debt against the 401k, and I retire, if there is a balance left, and now I am no longer employed and contributing into that 401k, guess what? It all becomes taxable income in that year that I have quit service. So that's another reason why you really want to, all other avenues should be looked at before doing a loan against the 401k. And then the other thing that happens is you're yanking money out of the 401k. So you're possibly diminishing the growth. Instead, you're, you know, you've created and you've taken an asset and created a debt and you're losing the opportunity of growth because you did that debt. 
So that's the other thing that you really want to understand is that when I take that money out, it's potentially going to be taxable if there's a balance left or if they let me go early. If I'm under 59 and a half, I'm also going to have penalties. And then I'm losing that money's ability to grow based on the market. And so if I'm going to have to repay it anyway, whether it's through payroll because I did it with a 401k or again, a consolidation loan can end up being a lot less costly. And if for some reason I'm no longer with the company, I don't have to worry about that tax bill. Unfortunately, I've seen people that have come in our office that have made that mistake and didn't realize that all of a sudden now they have a, you know, they've got fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars of taxable income because that was the amount of the outstanding loan. Whether it's a 401k, 403b, what have you, any qualified retirement plan that allows those type of loans, that's what's going to happen if you're no longer employed and contributing in and paying back the loan. So again, really look at all other avenues before considering taking a loan against the 401k. And you know, that goes, that brings me to something else, especially uh, when you are contributing into your qualified retirement plans. This is why it's important to have monies invested. For instance, just a non-qualified investment account on the outside of your company plan. So you have other options instead of having all of your assets in that 401k. So um, again, Last thing I'll say about it, I would highly caution you to look at all other options, analyze the debt, analyze the cost on the debt, and other ways to take care of paying off that debt before going and taking a loan against the 401k. Okay, let's jump to the next one because I have a client that's going through this right now. Uh, it seems like once or twice a year, I've had other clients that have gone through this scenario. And in this particular case, it's someone, uh, the mom passed away a little over two years ago. There's four heirs. Uh, there's a, a brother and, and three sisters. So there's four of them. And one of them had always wanted to sell the property and the others did not. But now they're all kind of leaning in the direction of selling the property and taking the proceeds. But one of them has brought up the idea wait a second, before we do that, I'm afraid that's going to create a taxable event and we're really going to get hit with taxes. So the one thing that you want to understand when that happens, so in this case, it's real estate, but it can happen with other after-tax inheritances as well. For instance, stocks, I'll, I'll use that as an example. But in this case, it's real estate. So is there going to be a tax bill? How is it calculated? Well, the first thing that happens is you have to go look and see what the value of that property was at the passing of the mother. Establish what that is because there is going to be a gain or there's a potential gain that could become taxable if the value from the date of passing has increased based on when they sell it. Now, the reality is what has the real estate market been doing for the last two years? Doing nothing but go up. So the reality of there probably being a capital gain is a realistic thing that needs to be investigated. So the first thing is, what was the value then uh, at her passing? Second of all is, have there been any improvements that have been made to the property post her passing? 
What's that going to do? That's going to help increase that value, how much has been added, if anything. How has it been used since then? Was one of the siblings or one of the heirs actually living in it? Was it treated as a rental and you guys were taking the income? That's going to be an important thing to look at when looking at what the potential taxable event is going to be. And this is why when you start to answer all those questions and then you sit down, in this case, what I told a client is I would sit down with your CPA or accountant. I would answer all of these questions to determine what the overall capital gain, if any, is. And let's say that there is one. I'll make numbers easy. I'm going to say it's 100 grand. Well, that means that there's four heirs that each one of them are going to have a taxable gain of $25,000. They've owned it longer than a year which means it's going to be long-term capital gains. And then depending on each one of their individual income situations is going to determine how much tax they owe on that capital gain. But having an understanding on that before just deciding to sell it, especially with what the market's done in the last two years, is extremely prudent to at least identify when you know if i'm going to if my taxable event is greater than my sisters let's say or the other siblings i want to know that before we just automatically go and sell the property and answering those questions and and seeing how that is calculated is really important and this is where bringing in a tax professional is really important to help establish what that initial value was have any improvements and what was the cost there What's the final um, market value and has there been a capital gain that then again would be each person, each heir is potentially going to pay more because now that capital gain is going to be added to their individual uh, tax situation. And that's why each person could be in a different situation and each person could pay a different amount of tax, but going through that and actually doing the calculations prior to selling the home, in my opinion, is uh, the most prudent thing to do to just be aware if any capital gain is going to be due. So listen, everyone, that's all I've got for today. If you have a question or scenario that you would like for us to address, all you have to do is email that to us at info at smartmoneyquestions.com, or you can feel free to go to uh, smartmoneyquestions.com. And right there, it says, ask Matt a question. Feel free to do that. If you would like to have a more personal conversation directly with me, just go to speakwithmatt.com. Again, www.speakwithmatt.com. My online calendar is there. You can schedule a phone call, a Zoom call, or an in-person meeting. More than happy to do that. So everyone, hopefully this has been valuable. Take care. We'll talk soon.